So this morning we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians 11, verse 21 verses together, and I call this counterfeit Christianity. What's a counterfeit? I am so glad you guys asked. Let me tell you real quick. It's made an exact imitation of something valuable or important with intention to be deceived or defraud. Well, Father in heaven, as we uh, jump into your word once again, we're so thankful that you are not a God of confusion, but you are a God who is love, who loves to reveal yourself. And that's our desire today. We want to see you more clearly. We want to hear your word rightly. So please uh, give us ears to hear what your spirit would have to say to the church. You know, these guys really don't want to hear from a guy named Landon. We want to hear from a king this morning, a king of kings whose name is Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen? Amen. So, my full name is Landon Oakley Churchill. That's why I'm wearing my Oakley hat today. Lucky you guys. And the reason I bring up the name Oakley is I want to share a quick story of my first mission trip, which was to Jamaica, man. How many of you guys have been to Jamaica? Beautiful, right? But if you get off the shores, the tourist area, and you go across the road, it's third world, isn't it? Okay, people broke. They have nothing. But those who have Jesus, oh, what a joy they have in him. What a joy they love to share with the world. But I remember landing in Jamaica, getting off the plant or the plane, and you walked through the touristy area of store shops. Everybody had all their stuff out to buy. Now, I'm a young kid. I just turned 19. My middle name's Oakley, but I could never afford a pair of Oakley sunglasses because they're like hundreds of dollars for plastic. I don't get it. But that's how much they were, and I thought with the middle name, I should really have a pair someday. And sure enough, out there, they had a pair of Oakleys for just 10 bucks. I'm like, what? A pair of Oakley sunglasses for $10? You got to be kidding me. And we were told that we're supposed to haggle with these people over the price. So you guys know how much I got that pair of $10 Oakley sunglasses for? $3. $3. They were cool looking too. They were the round ones that kind of formed around your head. I'm like, I'm going to be a cool missionary on my first missions trip. They're going to be awesome. Jesus is going to use these glasses to bring people to himself. So I got these glasses on. And I need to tell you guys, there was something wrong with those glasses. Because by the time the mission trip was over, the little Oakley name right in the middle and the Oakley sign on the side of the glasses had worn off. I'm like, what's up? Well, they were really what we call Folkleys. Have you guys heard of Folkleys before? Fake glasses, right? And there's actually a website, Folkley. Go check it out. They sell them all over the internet. Even Amazon sells the generic imitation Oakley sunglasses. So why do I bring that up? Because there's a lot of counterfeits in this world, isn't there? And there are a lot of false gods, false religions out there who try to imitate the true and living God in his religion, in their true Christ. And this is what I love about chapter 11 here of 2 Corinthians. We have Paul, he really uncovers this counterfeit Christianity for us. How to see it, and how to repel it. And how many of you guys want to do that? I want truth. 
I'm sick of all the lies in the world. I want the real deal. So we look here in verses 1 and 2, and Paul begins this chapter by talking about not all jealousies being sin. Okay, well, I thought jealousy was sin. Hang on a second. Let's read the first couple verses, and then I'm going to show you that there is biblical jealousy that is not sin. He says here, Oh, (laughs) that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me, for I am jealous. So this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. So we have some holy irony right here in these couple verses. Paul has to pull out his wallet again to show his credentials. And we've talked about that at length as we've gone through this epistle. And he did it last week in chapter 10 as we considered his apostleship and all the crazy warfare that's going on and the battle that's raging all around us, the spiritual realm over the battle of you know, the souls of men, women, and children. But here, Paul, since these new teachers have come on the scene who love to boast in how great they are, then he's going to use their method. And he lays out by saying to them, hey, (laughs) the jealousy of God. Consider it, guys. Think on it. Now, if we consider jealousy pertaining to man, it's normally selfish, right? It's very self-centered. That's man's jealousy. Would you guys agree with me? Right? But the jealousy of God is always others-focused. Okay? So there is a jealousy from God, but it's going to be loving others. It's going to be focused on others. On one hand, there's nothing more ugly or devilish than jealousy. I think of the beginning of the book of history. We have two brothers And we have Cain, who is jealous of his brother Abel, right? And he slays him. We also read in Genesis of the children of Israel selling their brother Joseph into slavery. We have Saul's jealousy of David resulting in trying to murder him. But then on the other hand, guys, there's a jealousy that's considered godly in the scriptures, And as we consider Exodus 20, which you guys know is the big ten, right? The ten commandments that God has given for all people for all time there. He declares, I am the Lord. I'm a jealous God. And matter of fact, when he said that, he was laying down really the bedrock for us in all relationships pertaining to those ten commandments after mentioning the first two of those ten in Exodus chapter 20 verses 3, 4, and 5. Jehovah basically is saying here, I refuse to consider the possibility of a rival. I must be master. I must be supreme. I must be Lord, total Lord of all and I will not be, or I will not be Lord at all then. I am not going to compete with another for a place in your affection. I'm not going to attempt to bargain you to decide upon a syndicate or by resolution of committee that you should follow me. I will be your sovereign. I will be your master, your God, or I shall be nothing. 
That's Alan Redpath, by the way. I like him. So it is different, though, guys, considering this jealousy when we talk about the belief of non-Christian religions. Okay, Their gods are jealous. They mean um, he must be appeased. These gods must be appeased by some sacrifice given. But this is not true with our God. Oh, wait. (laughs) Yes, it is. Follow me, guys. We need to accept the fact that he doesn't expect us to appease him. Okay, there's a difference. Okay, he knows that we can't. The true and living God knows we aren't able to. Okay, so he took it upon himself for that appeasal, didn't he? Okay, he is jealous for you, and there's proof of that. You look to the cross. Is that enough proof for you and I? He loved us so much. We couldn't do it. We could not appease the wrath of God. But God loved us so much and knew we couldn't do it. He went and did it for us, right? Think about that, guys. Instead of destroying the race that deserted and rebelled against him, he allowed the very race to rebel against him in order that Through that very act, he might win their love back. This is the jealousy of God. God allowed them to murder him upon that cross at Calvary that day to win back their hearts. Glorious, life-giving jealousy. Isn't God's jealousy cool? How many guys know the song, He Loves Me? Mark McMillan, was that who it was? I listened to David Crowder's version. I like David. But the song goes, he's jealous for me, right? Love's like a hurricane, I'm a tree, bending between the weight of wind and mercy. What? God's jealous for me? He is, guys. He wants you all to himself. You guys get that? No idols. Now, guys, I know your wives are really cool. You've been super blessed. Wives are a gift from the Lord, but they're not God. You guys get that? Even the dearest of relationships in this life don't compare to our God. Do you understand how far above he is than all others? Okay. He's number one. So thus, Paul, guys, he's saying to us in verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 11 that this flame that burns in my heart for you, it eats up my life, possessing my personality, gripping my soul, is something that has got a hold of me until nothing else matters. So if we think about one of the duties for the friend of the bridegroom, it was to graduate the or to guarantee, sorry, the chastity of a bride. If you guys study the scriptures, you know that in the Old Testament, Israel's referred to as the wife of God, okay? Already married there at Mount Sinai. But then we have the New Testament teaching that tells us that the church has been betrothed to Christ as a bride, the bride of Christ, right? And we're not yet wed We know there's a day the bridegroom's going to come. He's going to call for us. 
could be today. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know he's promised to come back, and we're excited about that. We're looking forward to that, and we're getting ready for that day. So these false teachers that Paul's talking about came into Corinth, the church there, fully knowing that they're the fiancé, okay, was, was Christ, okay, and yet trying to court and to date them, ultimately to seduce them from an exclusive devotion to Jesus and Jesus alone. So we need to be careful of that today, brothers and sisters, Okay. Any good teacher is going to do one thing, point you to Jesus and keep pointing you to Jesus. But what about all this other stuff? No, Jesus. Don't look at me. Don't look at that. Don't look at them. Look to Jesus. So spiritual leaders must protect the church from false teachers is what Paul is saying here. Let's take a look at verses 3 and 4 as he lays out here that not all ministries are ministries. He says, but I fear lest somehow the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. So false religion, guys, He's saying has been around, okay? Um, but we need to identify it, okay? There's one true religion. Cults usually lure people in on their trouble hook of really three methods. Okay, how many of you guys are familiar with some cults? All right, we, we have some right here in the Fox Valley, okay? Praise God you're not there. So, <laughs> but we want to talk about this for a moment. There's deprogramming that takes place. Okay, that's one of their methods. They say all that you've ever known, been wrong. Okay, What your parents taught you, your teachers, what your church said, it's all wrong. Okay, Then there's the programming that takes place. Do you guys know the human will does function, or doesn't function apart from the mind? That's why it's so important that our thinking is right. That's why you're always encouraged, hey, let's renew our thinking according to what God's revealed. That's why we take his word serious. What does he say? Okay. So oftentimes these cults, they'll seek to alter the mind because they want to control somebody's will. So there's the habitual patterns that will take place with the behavior and response will be broken up and new program be put in place. And then the reprogramming is intensive teaching of indoctrination. A whole new structure is raised. And here are the six things to evaluate whether a ministry is truly a ministry. Okay, Authoritarianism. Okay? Um, they lack a servant's heart and they lack grace. That's one of the big signs of a false teacher or a cult. So servant leaders is what we want to look for. Exclusiveness. There's always suspicion going on. There's paranoia. There's only one way, our way. There's also greed. You'll see a manipulation taking place among the people. More money. We need more of your money. More of your money. Also sensuality. There's, there's going to be uh, looseness, uh, sexually speaking, moral impurity happening. Unaccountability. There's going to be much secrecy. Okay. 
uh, your responsibilities. And there's also rationalization, which there is a defensiveness when they're confronted, and also they'll twist the scriptures to fit their own opinions and lifestyles. So those are just a few things that you want to look for. Now, Paul also tells us in verse 4, guys, did you guys catch it? There's three. Another Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel. You guys see those three that he lays out there? So he lists how to contrast the authentic with the artificial. He's letting us know what to look for. Now, note the difference between another and different. Another here means another that's similar in kind. So false teachers will talk about Jesus. He may sound biblical, but he's fooling you. Okay? And that's why we're encouraging you to check the scriptures. Be Bereans. Always go back to the word of God. Okay? We've heard of Mormons. We've heard of Jehovah Witnesses. They talk about the same Jesus, yet the way they understand him, it's another Jesus, isn't it? you've had a conversation with these guys and you've asked them biblically point blank questions about who Jesus really is you'll find out really quick what they believe okay so it's not a biblical Jesus and then when Paul says different he means another of an opposite kind so all religions have a different spirit and then a different gospel I think there's a good twofold check for you and I when it comes to this. Does their gospel proclaim the deity of Jesus, that Jesus is actually God, okay? That Christ is a part of the Trinity, okay, the second member. And does their gospel offer salvation as a free gift of God to whoever believes, purchased on the cross by Christ, and available without works based on his death and bodily resurrection. You guys understand how important those things are to our faith? Those are major things when it comes to our salvation. And believing is huge. Because just having faith in something doesn't save anybody. You guys understand that? Well, as long as you have faith in something, you're okay. No, you can't have faith in faith. You actually have to have faith in the true and living God. And what he says and he says, you guys don't have a chance without me, but I love you. <laughs> love you so much, even though you're sinners, I'm going to go and I'm going to die in your place. I'll become sin for you. I will take your place because I love you. And that's the hope we have as Christians, guys. It's what we get to share with the world. It's a free gift. You guys understand all religions in the world are works-based. And that's where you can see a false teacher real quickly. That's where you can see a false religion real quickly. So... Let's consider the enemy for a second. Do you guys know that Satan's too smart to ignore the gospel? Okay? He simply wants to pervert it. He'll twist it in whatever ways he can. So now let's take a look at verses 5 to 13, considering not all apostles are apostles. He says, for I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you may be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present, 
with you and in need. I was a burden to no one for what I lacked the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself as the truth of Christ is in me. No one shall stop me from boasting in the regions beyond Acacia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to regard just as we are in things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. So if we note back in verse 5, the most eminent apostles, and then later he tells us in verse 13 that they are false apostles. So according to verses 5 and 6 here, guys, they're charismatic, okay? Don't be taken in by their good looks and charismania. These guys looked better than Paul, preached better than Paul, had more impressive credentials than Paul. But Paul was on trained in speech, we're told in verse 6, yet trained in knowledge. So Paul was not a trained speaker, but the fact remains, he knew what he was talking about and they didn't. That's the bottom line. So there is a famous story which tells of a company of people who were dining together. And after dinner, it was agreed that each should recite something. A well-known actor arose, and with all the resources and allocation and dramatic art, he declaimed the 23rd Psalm, and he sat down to a tremendous applause. A quiet man followed him. He too began to recite Psalm 23. And at first, there was a chuckle. But before it had ended, there was a stillness that was more eloquent than any applause. When he had spoken the last words, there was a silence. And then the actor leant, or leant across and said, Sir, I know the psalm, but you know the shepherd. So don't judge pastors and church leaders by appearances, but by fruit, faithful over a long time. Okay? We're also told in verse 7 and on that they're greedy, right? He says in verse 7, Did I not commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? So this is kind of tongue-in-cheek, right? Did I sin in not charging you for the gospel? So Paul was a leather-working tent maker, wasn't he? We know that from Acts chapter 18, verse 3. Okay, um, The work was very difficult. It was a demanding type of labor job. Um, had a very low status in uh, the class consciousness of Corinth there. But he did that in order to be able to preach the gospel free of charge. Um, and they were saying basically, ha, you get what you pay for. Okay, that's what they're saying here. So if you guys know bivocational pastors, encourage them. I got on my way to encourage brothers who are working full-time and working at the church full-time. 
Um, I've been blessed to be able to free, be freed up here at Freedom, but most of our time here at Freedom, I've had other jobs on the side just to be able to do ministry and be able to, to serve. So if you guys know brothers who are serving in that way, encourage them, be praying for them. Um, I love what Peter exhorts the brothers to do, those who are ministering in 1 Peter 5, 2. He says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. There should be a heart of a minister. Hey, I get to do this. I want to share the gospel. I want to serve. So verse 12, guys, Paul is going to continue to point these wolves in sheep's clothing out to them. Okay, And there's a place for that. Some of you guys this morning is just like, well, I'd rather be learning something else this morning. Guys, we are living in what I believe are the last days. And Jesus said very clearly there's going to be more and more false teachers in the last days. And it's hard, guys. Everywhere we look, it seems to be false teaching. And we just think right across the river here, we have a church that is calling, you know, good evil and evil good. What God says is an abomination they want to call love. That's right here. If you go down the road a little farther on the same street, we have a little church teaching people that there is no Trinity. There is no God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what they believe. And if we just go down across college a little bit, we have the Prosperity Gospel Church. I mean, this is what we have right here in our own little city, just a few blocks away, false teaching going on. So we shouldn't be surprised, and we should take this serious when we come to passages of scriptures like this, because God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to know, to be aware, because he loves us, and he wants us to be protected. Okay? So be careful. I want to Mentioned too, <laughs> if you ever feel like God's leading you on, we're not a cult here. Our prayer is that God gets each and every one of you exactly where he wants you to be. Now, it's hard. We love people. I always hate seeing people go, but that's God's deal, isn't it? Okay? But I would love to have conversations with you because there has been handfuls of people who've left over the years and they've joined a group of false teaching. And they didn't have a conversation. It was one of those things, they're just gone. And then you reach out, and they ghost you. They don't you know, call you back, and you're like, what, what's going on? And a little bit later, it's just like, oh, boy, they landed there. That's the last place a believer in Christ should be. Those are wolves in sheep's clothing. So have conversations. I love you enough to tell you, hey, Go where God's leading you, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. If it's not a good place to be, hey, don't be there, okay? Um, I love God's word for that. Another thing that we see now in verse 13, they're imitators, he tells us, for they are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. If Satan loves to work by deceit and craftiness, guys, is verse 3, so he's called these deceitful workers, the basic meaning for the word is bait for fish. That's what that word's often used for. So they're cunning, contriving, scheming, catching, okay? So how to share with cult members? 
I'm so glad you guys asked. How many of you guys know somebody who's in a cult? Yeah, a few of us, okay? This is what we need to do. We need to stay on the offensive. Not be offensive. You guys understand? But be on the offensive. Continue to preach Christ. Know the Bible. When we have the real thing, we'll be able to spot counterfeits. When we know the scriptures, we'll be able to defend our faith rightly. And, st- and stick with the important issues. And the important issue is what? Jesus. Who is he? Is he alone Savior? Is he the only way? Stick with Jesus, guys, okay? Salvation. And then the biggest thing you can be doing is praying for their hearts. Because they have a veil. They're not able to see something spiritually is going on. Be praying that God would just open their eyes. That they begin to seek God and believe his word, okay, that that blindfold would be removed and that they would respond to the good news. Amen? Amen? All right, there we go. Verse 14, not all angels are angels. Look at this. He says, and no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Well, that's a little scary, isn't it? If Satan can create himself as an angel of light, do you think he could fool some people? Yeah. Verse 14, he remarks that Satan himself is behind all of this. That's the point. He's behind it all. And Satan loves to work in imitation. An angel Moroni showed up to a guy named Joseph years ago. There's a whole bunch of Mormons today because an angel of light gave him a new revelation contrary to the revelation God had already given in Scripture. There's things that we got wrong. We needed further revelation. And that's the thing, guys. Satan will always contradict the truth of God's Word. Okay? Might look good. Angel of light. More revelation. It sounds churchy. It sounds Scripture. We need to be careful, guys. So... um, you guys can jot down Galatians chapter 1 too, because it actually says if another comes with another gospel, even if an angel of light appears and preaches any other gospel than what they had preached, the gospel of the Bible, it says let them be accursed. That means damned to hell. Okay, so we need to be very careful. And this is going on today. We have people coming in, preaching other Gospels, and we need to be very careful. Um, we have that every Saturday in the parking lot across the street here. Jehovah Witnesses are there during the summer. Every farmer's market, they're out preaching another Gospel. So we need to be aware of this. Now, do you guys remember the parable of the tares and the wheat? You guys familiar with that? Let me share just a few verses out of Matthew 13. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in a field, but while the men slept, his enemy came in and they sowed tares. So there was good seed, but now we're going to have some weeds. We're going to plant these tares among the wheat. Um, And he went his way. And then Jesus said, let both of them grow together until the harvest. Why? Because if you're going to rip up one, you're going to rip all of it out. Can't let that happen. So he says, the field is the world. And the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. 
So Satan does come as a serpent, and he does deceive, guys. We need to be careful. The lion, he devours. He's an angel of light that loves to dupe people. And Satan came to Eve, right, pretending uh, to want to help her, okay? Did you, did you want to be in the know, Eve? Do you want to be like God? Do you want to know the difference between good and evil, okay? What if Satan had come to Eve and was honest about what he was wanting to do? How would that look? Okay, Eve, here's the plan. I'm going to trick you. I'm going to trick you into eating this. And you're going to share it with your husband. And then, by doing so, you're going to bring death to the entire world. But that's not all. If you act today, Eve, I'll throw in your kids and your kids' kids. And they'll automatically be born into original sin and be damned to hell unless they repent. How about that, Eve? You in? Do you think she would have went for it if he was honest? No. And that's why Satan does it the way he does. He makes it look good, a counterfeit. And we see that today. He's in the church today, guys. And we need to be very aware. Very aware. Now, continuing on in verse 15, not all ministers are ministers. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. You see, Satan turned himself into a preacher when he was in the wilderness and he took from uh, a text from Psalm 91 and he dared use it against the Son of God. You guys remember that? If you're the Son of God, Satan said to Jesus, throw yourself down for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you and in their hands you shall bear up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Okay, and Satan does that. He'll take scriptures and twist them. So many on a Halloween night, guys, will mask, put on a mask pretending to be someone they're not. So here, guys, we have the Corinthians. Okay, Some had been there masquerading around as false apostles, apostles of Christ. So we need to be careful. Just because somebody says they're a Christian minister doesn't make them a Christian minister. We need to be able to tell the difference. And then he tells us in verse 16 that not all fools are fools. I say again, let no one think me a fool, he says, if otherwise, at least receive me as a fool that I also may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in the confidence of boasting. See, that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast, for you put up with fools gladly. Since you yourselves are wise, for you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. To our shame, I say that we are too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. So he picks back up on this folly or this fool discussion that we saw in verse 1. And if we focus on verse 20 here, he identifies five things, right? For you put up with 
uh, with it, or if one brings you into bondage, if he devours you, if he takes from you, if he exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. So all cults work on law. You guys get that? That's what they're all about. Not on grace. In other words, bondage. That's what Paul's saying here. So it could be circumcision as it was here. That's what was going on, telling these Gentiles, you need to be circumcised, you need to keep the law. Or a thousand other little petty rules or regulations, it really could be anything. So as to make you abandon your glorious liberties and submit to a yoke of bondage again. It is not the devil's aim to destroy humanity, simply to get man to yield to him. That's all he wants to do. You know, believe my lies, do my will. Many factors are in the devil's favor. Consider with me for a second, guys. Uh, he's invisible, isn't he? So many don't think he exists. Many don't think he exists. I didn't see demons in the reality of the supernatural and the outworking of true evil supernaturally until I went on that first mission trip to Jamaica. Oh my gosh. First time I'm about to preach the word ever in my life and I have a demon clinging on my back trying to suffocate me. What the heck? Why doesn't that happen here in the States? What's up with that? Do you guys know if demons began to manifest themselves and Satan made himself visible. The God that we've been teaching our kid doesn't, doesn't exist. Our kids would be like, no, wait a minute, there's a supernatural. There's a very supernatural things going on. There is a devil. There is a God. Okay, So he'll, he's willing to do whatever as long as people do his will. Okay, So it's hard because for us guys in our context, many people don't think he even exists. Um, he's very subtle, right? Clever to never show himself for who he really is. Uh, he, we have a fallen natural, nature, so sin comes very naturally. So do you think his temptations work pretty easily? Oh, yeah. Uh, we have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We're prone to wander. We live in a world system that really promotes self, right? Aren't we all about selfies? Look at my Facebook. <laughs> That's what focuses on us all the time, guys. Um, Satan has many workers for him. How many angels fell with him? A third. Man, that's, that's a lot, right? Followed him. He has many humans doing his bidding. I think about all the cults that are out there today, all the false Christ. You guys know that we have 1,500 plus people in North America proclaiming to be Christ. Jesus said that would happen in the last days. Okay? We have some here locally in the Fox Valley that are actually telling people that they're the Savior of the world, that they are the Christ, and people actually sit under their teaching right here in the Fox Valley. It's weird, guys. Satan's at work. I don't know what's worse, the people that really believe they are or the people that follow them. Like, what a joke. Um, also, guys, um, his clan's united. Okay, we never hear of any civil war in hell, do we? Okay, they know their mission, and they're trying to take down as many people as possible. So they have a full-on, you know, unified attack against God and his kids. There are also some factors uh, not in his favor. 
And this is kind of what I want to conclude with today, guys. And one of those is that his defeat has been predicted. You guys familiar with Genesis 3.15? Like right in the beginning of the Bible, God lays out, you know what? Satan is a serpent. He is a liar, okay? He's going to do a lot of dumb stuff. But guess what? It says the seed of the woman, speaking of Jesus, would bruise the head of the serpent. That was a promise. Also at the cross, guys, judgment was decreed. Now the judgment of this world and the rulers of this world, they're going to be cast out, we're told. We're also told that the ultimate doom of Satan, the devil, guys, do you guys know that it is certain? If you turn to the end of your Bible, in Revelation 20, verse 10, it says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented night and day. How long, guys? Forever and ever, okay? And then we have victory over him today, guys. You can jot down John or 1 John 4.4. 4. It says, he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. And aren't you guys glad that darkness can't be where light dwells? You accept Jesus Christ into your life. You're born again in the Spirit. That's pretty cool, guys. Pretty cool. Satan has nothing on us. We've been set free. We're no longer under his bondage. We're no longer one of his kids to do his bidding, to do his will. Do you know the scriptures say that the will of Satan is that we take offense? We don't have to do that any longer in Christ. And the world is offended at everything right now. And I see Christians taking the bait of Satan, knock it off. We have a higher calling. We get to live above all of that stuff. Don't give in to the bait of Satan. Don't take offense. Because even Jesus said, many will. Many will. So be aware of his tactics. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Stand in the truth. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Okay, resist the devil and he will what? Flee, okay? Don't allow him to mess with you. Stand your ground. Stand upon the word of God. Who you are is his kid. Now I'm going to ask five questions in closing. And I want you to personally answer these. Be real with God, okay? Um, can you separate personally? The difference between doctrinal wheat and doctrinal uh, chaff. Can you see the authentic? Are you able to tell the difference? Can you spot a wolf in clerical clothing? Are you able to do that? Can you pick out the real Jesus? Do you know him? Can you discern a different spirit? And can you detect a contaminated gospel? We're going to take just one minute. Be still before God. I want you to confess if need be. Ask for help if need be. Maybe you've believed in a false Jesus 
And it's time to repent and believe in the Bible, in the Jesus that is of the Bible, the true and living God. Father, I would pray for all of us, God, that you would forgive us for counterfeit Christianity. Father, forgive us when our Christianity clouts an unauthorized copy or imitation. Help us to see the genuine, real, bona fide, undisputed truth of being a Christian, a follower of you, Jesus. The conference I went to yesterday with a few of you guys, it came around the idea of being fearless. And we can look at a study and read scriptures like this out of the Bible, and we could find ourselves maybe fearful, full of fear. Am I being duped? Do I really know the truth? Can I discern? I love that the Bible speaks to God being a God of love, who is love. That perfect love casts out what? Fear. Perfect love casts out fear. I want to encourage you guys. Get to know God better. Grow in your relationship, your personal relationship with him. Work on that intimacy. Know him more and more and be fully known. I really, I really feel that we're set free and we can be ourselves the way God's created us to be and wants us to be when we really get to know him. The more we know him, the more we know who we really are. And I want to encourage you guys as Tony sang that last song, it's called Build My Life. I love the part of the chorus where it says, Show me who you are. Is that a heart cry of yours? God, like, truly show me who you are. Not who I want you to be, not who they say you're 
you are or what you're like, but who you really are. And part of that's getting into his word because that's his revelation of who he is. But then it's spending time with him, really getting to know him. And then there's a line in the song that says, and fill me with your heart. Do you have a desire to have a heart that beats for the same things that your creator's heart beats for? That you care about the things he cares about? That you want to live for the things that he lives for? And lead me in your love to those around me. I think that's a good prayer to pray, guys, is that he would lead us in such a way. So, Father, we pray one more time and just ask that you would accomplish that in our hearts, that you'd stir us up good. I know that's part of why you call us to be part of a church, is that we'd be stirred up unto good works, stirred up into looking to you and encouraging one another. And I do pray, Father, that you would just give us wisdom and insight. You'd help us to discern what you're up to, what you care about, that we'd be getting to know you more, God, that that would be a priority in our life. Jesus, you know what's best. Your ways are good. All we can do is humbly ask for grace and surrender and ask that you are the one that truly builds our life. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen.